From the Tufts Podcast Network, it's Lit. Conversations with Tufts professors about a piece of literature that has moved them or has stuck with them in some way. In Praise of Latin Night at the Queer Club by Justin Torres, a piece published in the Washington Post of June 2016. It's been over a year since the shooting in Orlando, Florida at the Pulse nightclub. It was one of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history that claimed the lives of 50 people, many of them queer, transgender, black, and brown bodies. The shooter targeted a gay nightclub popular amongst Puerto Rican and Latinx communities. We'll hear dance and drama professor Kareem Kupchundani read this ode to the victims. The writer is Justin Torres, an up-and-coming author and graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop. His latest book is We the Animals, a novel that one critic called, and I love this description, a dark jewel of a book. On the day of the shooting, Professor Kaptundani was in Canada trying to get across the border to the U.S. and get back home. Here's his story. So I was in a club in Vancouver, and the reason I was there was because I had to go and get my visa to come and work at Tufts. And and you have to leave the U.S. to, to get a U.S. visa in order to um, come back in. Even crossing a border, uh, the U.S. border legally is is awful. <laughs> I've, I've crossed the, the U.S.-Mexico border uh, on foot, and the line will take three hours and there's no there's no compassion along the way either you know um so 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 that's where i was when i heard the news and and uh my my passport was held it was supposed to take two days and it was held for a week and so i was sort of stuck in vancouver and there's nothing i could do about it um and so i made some friends online south asian friends who were willing to like take me out and hang out and just you know and so so again it was like we were in this moment of like building a friendship and, and we see this happen. And so it was with strangers that I went to a rally um, in the, the city hall that day. And, and I think that what, what I appreciate about nightlife, at least often, is that is the, the possibility of compassion and kindness between strangers in, in nightlife spaces. And, and that's what happened with me there. And, and so I, uh, with these South Asian men in, in Vancouver, and so so I I'm grateful for that kind of um, space that that we make for each other. And why did you choose this piece? Um, I think it's a it's a really important piece of writing that reminds us that the Orlando shooting wasn't merely uh, an attack on gay identity, but was particular to race and colonization. The very fact that these particular people were in that particular place on that night um, with specifically brown bodies from a multiplicity of backgrounds. I'm just really excited about sharing it. I think I want more people to know it and read it and figure out their investments in it because because I think it speaks to so many people and, you know, he's... Um, he, he invokes so many different identities across the course of the piece that I think a lot of people will feel pulled into it, regardless of their identities, um, which which then leads to the question, I think, who does he leave out? Uh, and, 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 and that produces two, two things. One is, who is even further on the margins of uh, minoritarian identity? And also, who has the privilege to not 
feel any of these things or not be invoked in uh, in such a sort of inclusive and and uh, broad piece. Yeah. In Praise of Latin Night at the Queer Club by Justin Torres. If you're lucky, they'll play some Latin cheese. That Aventura song from 15 years ago? If you're lucky, there will be drag queens. And if so, almost certainly they will be quick, razor sharp with their humor, giving you the kind of performances that cut and heal all at once. If you're lucky, there will be go-go boys, every shade of brown. Maybe your ma blessed you on the way out the door. Maybe she wrapped a plate for you in the fridge so you don't come home and mess up her kitchen with your hunger. Maybe your tia dropped you off, gave you cab money home. Maybe you had to get a sitter. Maybe you've yet to come out to your family at all. Or maybe your family kicked you out years ago. Forget it. You survived. Maybe your boo stayed home, wasn't feeling it, but is blowing up your phone with sweet texts, trying to make sure you don't stray. Maybe you're allowed to stray. Maybe you're flush. Maybe you're broke as nothing and angling your pretty face bar side, hoping someone might buy you a drink. Maybe your half Latin ass doesn't even speak Spanish. Maybe you barely speak English. Maybe you're undocumented. Outside, there's a world that politicizes every aspect of your identity. There are preachers of multiple faiths, most, mostly self-identified Christians, condemning you to hell. Outside, they call you an abomination. Outside, there is a news media that acts as if there are two sides to a debate over trans people using public bathrooms. Outside, there is a presidential candidate who has built a platform on erecting a wall between the United States and Mexico. And not only do people believe that crap is possible, they believe it is necessary. Outside, Puerto Rico is still a colony, being allowed to drown in debt to suffer without the right to file for bankruptcy, to protect itself. Outside, there are more than 100 bills targeting you, your choices, your people, pending in various states. You have known violence. You have known violence. You are queer and you are brown and you have known violence. You have known a masculinity, a machismo, stupid with its own fragility. You learned basic queer safety. You learned to scan casually, quickly, before any public display of affection. Outside the world can be murderous to you and your kind, Lord knows. But inside, it is loud and sexy and on. If you're lucky, it's a mixed crowd, muscle marys and boys and femme fags and butch dykes and gender queers. If you're lucky, no one is wearing much clothing and the dance floor is full. If you're lucky, they're playing reggaeton, salsa, and you can move. People talk about liberation as if it's some kind of permanent state, as if you get liberated and that's it. You get some rights and that's it. You get some acknowledgement and that's it. Happy now? But you're going back down into the muck of it every day. This world constricts. You know what the opposite of Latin night of the queer club is? Another day in straight white America. So when you walk into the club, if you're lucky, it feels expansive. Safe space is a cliché, overused and exhausted in our discourse, but the fact remains that a sense of safety transforms the body, transforms the spirit. So many of us walk through the world without it. So when you walk through the door and it's a salsa beat and brown bodies, queer bodies, all writhing in some fake smoke and strobing lights, no matter how cool, how detached, how over it you think you are, 
Latin night at the queer club breaks your cool. You can't help but smile. This is for you, for us. Outside tomorrow, hangovers, regrets, the grind. Outside tomorrow, the struggle to effect change. But inside tonight, none of that matters. Inside tonight, the only imperative is to love. Lap the bar out for a smoke. Back inside, the ammonia and sweat and the floor slightly tacky. Another drink. The imperative to, is to get loose, get down, find religion, lose it, find your hips locked into another's, break, dance on your own for a while. But you didn't come here to be a nun. Find your lips pressed against another's, break, find your friends, dance. The only imperative is to be transformed, transfigured in the disco light, to lighten, loosen, see yourself reflected in the beauty of others. You didn't come here to be a martyr. You came to live, Papi, to live, Mamacita, to live, hijos, to live, mariposas. The media will spin the conversation away from homegrown homophobic terrorism to a general United States versus Islamist narrative. Mendacious, audacious politicians, Republicans who vote against queer rights, against gun control, will seize on this massacre, twist it for support of their agendas. But for a moment, I want to talk about the sacredness of Latin night at the queer club. Amid all the noise, I want to close my eyes and see you all there, dancing, inviolable, free. So you've written a lot about queer nightlife and spent a lot of time in gay nightlife spaces in Bangalore and Chicago. Can you explain just how shook up people were in these spaces after the Orlando shootings and maybe your personal reaction to it? You know, being being in South Asian queer circles as well, a lot of a lot of us were worried about what this means for queer Muslims. Because the discourse w that was produced was this, you know, exactly what he says. It's it's um, it's produced as a U.S. versus Islamist narrative, um, and 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 so what happens? And and U.S. therefore be becomes the the place that includes good, like can include the good queers, right? Um, what Jasper Poor calls homonormativity. Um, the U.S. is the exceptional state, and the Islamic states are 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 the ones that abject queers that um, are not feminist, or and the U.S. is sort of a, an exceptional feminist state. Um, and so, for Muslim queers, this produces a conundrum of what you know: Do I fit? Can, can I? Am I even allowed to be queer? Um, and so the given the the identity of the the person who who carried out the attack um, there was so much anxiety produced as as is produced every time there is a terrorist attack right everyone's like please don't let them be brown please don't let them be muslim um and often they're not but they're not called those folks are not called terrorists <laughs> right um so i think the an important conversation 
uh, emerged around um, South Asian Arab and Muslim queer folks who who were looking for a place to to, to just to 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 remind people that they existed and and several rallies around the country and even the one I attended um, brought in queer imams or queer Muslims. Uh, representatives from queer Muslim organizations t to be part of of them. What I think has been really beautiful is also that nightclubs uh, stayed open and said we're, you know, we're not going to let this kind of violence um, scare us from from being beautiful and joyful and and mourning. Um, gay clubs have often been are often places of mourning. You know, they're, they're places that people go to remember who their friends that they used to dance with and that they lost to HIV. Um, gay clubs are, are definitely places of mourning, and I, I think they, they lived up to that when they stayed open um, and, and uh, in protest of, of the kind of violence that was seen that night. Taurus definitely brings in some very beautiful moments in celebrating kind of the sacredness yeah. of the space. Um, and what were kind of the most beautiful moments for you in this article? I think uh, when when he says just the, the idea of if you're lucky um, is that none of none of this is ever a given, right? And it's 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 the unpredictability of nightlife that makes it worth returning to. Because you can have the worst experience, you can be harassed or teased or rejected, but you'll go back because you might be lucky the next time. You might see the right show. The that queen might be performing the song that you you want her to perform. Right? Um, they'll play that Aventura song from 15 years ago. I was I was that that song um, Obsession. I was. Uh, I was 17 years old, 18 years old. I had just moved to the U.S. Um, I was staying in, with my brother in New Jersey, and that song had just come out, and I was in a Puerto Rican barbershop across from my brother's house, and it was playing, and I was like, what is this song? It's so good. Um, and just, you know, the to, the opportunity to hear that song from 15 years ago and to be taken back to, like, my arrival in the U.S., like, that is lucky, right? It's not, it's not a given that we can have those kinds of moments in community with each, with each other. So just the idea of if you're lucky. Um, I love the the quickness of the, the, the paragraph that starts with outside, tomorrow, hangovers, lap the bar, get down, find religion, break, dance. I mean, because the, the, the night has the, these kinds of cyclical rhythms. So it's a real um, capture. Uh, you know, he even goes through a thought process, dance on your own for a while, but you didn't come here to be a nun. Find your, you know, you, you like, you're like, why am I here? Okay, let me like, uh, let me go find someone. Okay, no, dance on my own. Right. So, so these, these kinds of cycles of, there's, it's not predictable. Um, and then the, when he says you didn't come here to be a martyr, uh, that, I mean, that's the line that always breaks me because it's, because that's when he takes us to the Orlando shooting. But he doesn't actually, you know, he, it, it just, it's, it's just, it's so skillfully said. Um, and, I, and I think that that's, it's, it's, it's a way of letting us revel in, in what he's doing without turning us to the, the, the gruesome nature of, of, of the um, killings themselves. So, so he follows that line. Uh, Torres follows the line: "You came here to be a mar you didn't come here to be a martyr. You came to live, Poppy." And I think "live" is not just 
being alive, but but you know when we talk about getting your life, like going going out to get your life, um, uh, Tamar Braxton is like get your life, right? It's it's this, it's more than just bare life. It's really um, living to a kind of living up to a kind of beauty that you believe you deserve. Yeah, you're known as a very famous South Asian drag queen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, taking on the name, the stage name of Lahore Vajistan, uh, who is a sort of Desi auntie. Mm-hmm. Um, in your performance, hashtag sorry, set, spelled S-A-R-I, set to the tune of Justin Bieber, sorry, has been a huge hit. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how this queen came to life? Um, and also, the second part of that question is, did you understand academia first um, and then kind of decide to explore drag performance? Or did you kind of uh, decide to go into drag performance and then understand it more through academia? I mean, she came to life through the academy, to, to be honest. Um, I did my PhD in performance studies at Northwestern University. And part of that program is to produce a recital and a recital which is a 30 to 40 minute performance I think um, that stages a research question through uh, through performance so 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 to to evidence the theoretical power of performance the capacity of performance so I developed this character it was the first time I was legitimately doing drag you know and developed a character and I it was a mixture of dance and adaptation of South Asian diasporic literature including work from Hanif Qureshi um, ooh, and uh, uh, Ghalib Shiraz Dalla and Sham Salvadurai so a Sri Lankan, a Pakistani, and an Indian uh, author um, from different uh, from the UK, from Kenya, and from and from Canada. So so just sort of thinking about the multiplicity of diasporic experiences and how they intersect with race and gender, like femininity, um, desire, all of these things. It was it was a, a well conceived but maybe medio- mediocrely executed. What was mediocre about the performance? I mean, I didn't know how to do drag. I like I didn't I didn't understand the the technologies of drag, the how to how to do makeup. You know, I um, I had asked a, a friend to to do my makeup, and on the day of the show, he couldn't make it, and I like threw some stuff on. it was it was ugly like um my mom made the costume from and sent it from india and it was great and but so like acting i had you know i could i could tell a story i just i couldn't um i didn't know how to what i hadn't thought about what i was doing in doing drag and this is the thing like if you don't have mentors whether it's moms or sisters or girlfriends or other queens who teach you as a guy how to do femininity or even YouTube tutorials, right? Who who teach you how to do femininity. You don't know how to do it, right? These are things we learn and are coached in. And in this short frame of time, I didn't have those things. You said your mom made you the costume. Um, Did she teach you the kind of aesthetics of being feminine? Um, 
Yes and no. Um, she didn't teach me, but there are things I learned from her. So she, when she was tying a sari, for example, she, she would need my help to like hold the pleats in place. So I, I knew how, how to do that. Um, and I have a, so in the queer dance book that Justin Torres's piece is published in, I have a piece um, called Auntie Fever about how I learned all my basic feminine drag moves from my Indian aunties and my mom. Um, again, they weren't taught to me, but I was around them so much that I learned them. And, and so, but, but, but what I, what I'm arguing there is that they allowed me to be around them. They allowed me to, you know, and that, that was sort of a queer possibility or act for them to let me be there. <laughs> um, and, and not discipline my maleness or masculinity so, so deeply. Um, yeah. So, so I, my, my mom designs clothes and, she, you know, I was like, oh, it's part of my coursework. I need to do it. And she made the, the outfit and it had like built in cups and everything. But, um, in, in subsequent years, like she'll send me a care package with like Indian chai, but also like a skirt, you know, no explanation, but it's in there. Right. And, and so there's sort of, that's. She's never seen me perform. She's seen the music videos, and she's like, "Your makeup is disgusting. I hate it." Um, but but uh, she's you know. Does it matter to you that she's never seen your drag performances? Um, not. No, I. I mean, I think that there's. When when you're in a club and a drag queen's mom or parents are there, the the host of the show will often acknowledge it. And it's just a really magical and sweet moment. And more, more than for the queen or the mother, it's, it's for those other people around who don't have moms who love them because they're queer. And it becomes this like moment of hope and love and beauty. So I've seen it very regularly at nightclubs, the celebration of, of bio family coming out to support that said, my mom has taken care of my queer friends in many other contexts, cooking for them, hosting them at her house in India when they've been traveling through and, and all of those things. She doesn't, I, I mean, when she came for my PhD graduation, I was like, do you want to come out with us? And she's like, no, go have, like, you go have fun, right? It's, so it's, it's more about not feeling the obligation to go to the nightclub than not seeing me perform. Um, because she's, yeah, I mean, she's she's done she's done a lot of the work to uphold the queer community around me. She's, um, she's sent she's sent costumes for other shows that my friends have done. She has, um, she came to a queer festival that I organized in Bangalore when I was doing my research there. It's all around her. It's just that event isn't one that she has had the opportunity to go to or actually wants to go to because it's noisy and it's loud and it's there's a lot of people and it's late and yeah yeah, yeah. she's seen your videos she has seen <laughs> and commented on your makeup well thank you so much yeah, for your time you. oh thank you so much thank you so much um thank you for those those were amazing questions
This has been It's Lit. Thanks for listening.